Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History puddle. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Full Slate Sunday Scaries podcast brought to you by Blue Wire. I'm your co-host, Cody Darwick, joined by my brother out in Chicago, Tyler Darwick. Tyler, we're fighting through a uh, post-red-eye flight here. Yeah, definitely a little tired from our red-eye back from San Francisco, but the 49ers won, so it makes it all worth it. Yeah, we were a successful business trip. Our first time out to Santa Clara. Check out the new stadium, Levi's. Um, and you know what, Jed York? I'll give him two thumbs up for the new stadium, the 49ers Museum. I was a little skeptical. It is not close to San Francisco at all. It's about 50 minutes outside this outside of the city. Um, but they've got a nice little thing going on out there in Santa Clara. Yeah, it's a really nice stadium. I feel like there's only been negative you know, news about it since the stadium opened in 2014. But it's really nice. They embrace the 49ers history. And I guess any stadium will be good when the team is playing well and there's a lot of excitement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anytime you get a home game for a shot to go to the Super Bowl, it's not a bad thing. Um, but Tyler, besides being a little bit jet lagged here and fighting through that, what is your Sunday scariest moment? So my Sunday scariest moment is for anyone associated with the Houston Astros. Um, all the news coming out the past couple of weeks with the sign stealing scandal, 
the video camera, bang, garbage can, potential buzzers. It's just a bad look for a team that's been the best team in baseball over the last three years, won the World Series in 2017, made the ALCS in 2018, lost in Game 7 this year in 2019. So they've been kind of the gold standard the last few years. This cheating scandal coming out, AJ Hinch getting fired, their GM getting fired, Alex Cora basically being pushed out, Carlos Beltran being pushed out in New York, just anyone being associated with it. It's kind of feeling the brunt of it. And the craziest thing is the MLB came out and said the players are mostly responsible for this, and none of the players have been suspended yet. So and it doesn't seem like that's coming. So I guess also partially Rob Manfred, Sunday scariest moment for him because I don't think he's has any idea on how to address this entire issue. No, this is all uncharted territory for Major League Baseball. We had the steroid scandal that kind of took up most of the late 90s, early 2000s, um, and well aware of it, being San Francisco Giants fans with Barry Bonds being square in the middle of it. Um, And now at this point with baseball, I believe it's like 80 games for a steroid uh, positive test there. Um, And... This the buzzer scandal. If this actually comes out to being true, and you know what, it's very easy and hand up, easily guilty of it. But getting swept up in the kind of Twitter Twitter brigade when things get going, people get takes, putting together videos. Um, but I mean, the video of Altuve rounding third base after hitting the walk off first Chapman in the ALCS Game Seven um, certainly felt quite uh quite indicting of him just holding his shirt together saying basically keep it on don't take it off and then getting a question from ken rosenthal after the walk off um about why he basically told his teammates to keep his shirt on saying oh uh, i was shy i don't want to get in trouble with my wife um you know what l2v i think you're full of shit um him and bregman especially bregman's kind of been a guy that's been very vocal um, the past few years, and rightly so. He's been great. But now at this point, with this whole scandal looming over their heads, um, I think steroids, when it comes to it, probably gives you an extra, depending how long your career is and how good of a player you are, X number of home runs over the long term. But this is on a totally different scale. Um, and I do hope that Manfred, if they can, if they do get additional uh, evidence that the Astros were actually using buzzers, and if there are other teams using buzzers, the players should be in trouble. It shouldn't just be the GM and the manager. The players, if you put on a buzzer, you know exactly what you're doing. Yeah, and the thing with steroids is obviously gives you an advantage. You want to say Barry Bonds did it, added to his uh, career home run mark. Um, you know, it gives you an advantage, but not everyone who did steroids became an unbelievable player. But if you know what pitches are coming, when they're coming, that gives you such a big advantage. And for me, you know, I pitched in high school. It makes me think, how far does this go? Were people doing this in high school? really makes me think that's why people could hit me when I was pitching because I couldn't mm-hmm. think of any other reason. How right. deep does this go? But right. if the buzzer thing is true, that's so, that's so egregious. Like, it's been known for years that team steal signs. Uh, Bobby Thompson, the home run in the 50s to beat the Dodgers. There's rumors that they stole signs. Like That's been around, and that's kind of just a thing about baseball. But if you're using buzzers, using the video camera, that's such an extra level of cheating that has to be 
you have to be punished. And it seems like Manfred doesn't want to deal with the MLBPA. I guess there's no kind of, you know, the steroids, they have the rules. First, um, first, <laughs> what do you call it? I'm tired. Okay, continue on. What's your next point? First infraction of steroids, you get 80 games. They don't they don't have that standard set for any cheating like this. So I guess that's his uh, hesitation with trying to pursue action against the players. Yeah, it's. I, I do hope Altuve and Bregman get in trouble if they can prove this. It's it's Bush League. Um, we're we're biased, obviously. Like you said, we've played baseball growing up. We both played. High school baseball, humble brag. Um, but I think the hardest thing to do in professional sports is hit a baseball. Um, but that's with a caveat uh, that you don't know what pitch is coming next because that's the really challenging part um, in addition to the hand-eye coordination. Um, so it's – you. we were talking about it in San Francisco or I guess Santa Clara technically – and you're like, this is actually kind of a, a good thing for baseball in a way because it's getting people, giving people something to talk about ahead of pitchers and catchers. It's not the conversation baseball wants by any means, but the Astros will be an interesting storyline to follow. I think players are really going to, opposing teams are really going to gun for the Astros, especially saw Mike Clevenger, pitcher on the Indians. He was very vocal on Twitter uh, on a video basically saying like this is BS you have guys in the minors scraping together money just looking for a shot to give to basically change their families lives and then you have these guys that are perennial superstars that are cheating like there's no there's no place in baseball for that and I think that sentiment is kind of shared across all the other opposing teams but I guess we'll find out to me the kind of skeptic in me makes me think that this is just the beginning. I feel like there's more to come given the Red Sox investigation um, in terms of the depths of the players use it, like the buzzers, um, because it feels like that the technology to relay the signs, there's probably more going on there. Definitely. And it's not the story that baseball wants to be getting coverage, but like you mentioned, you know, baseball never has any storylines going on even during the season people don't talk about it so at least have a storyline like this during the offseason people talking about it it gives such a good villain going into the season everyone is going to root against Astros that's something that is you know a silver lining in all this for baseball NBA you know dominates the calendar year this league during the offseason with the free agency the NFL even during the offseason with the draft and training camp is so coverage covered that MLB doesn't have that so to at least have something in mid-January that people are talking about it's not great but at least they're getting some eyeballs and there'll be some interesting storyline going into the year because I could promise you if this wasn't coming out there would be no one talking about baseball right now fair point um my Sunday scariest moment bring this back to football is the rest of the NFL trying to figure out a way to stop this Chiefs offense right now? Uh, the Titans uh, did did their best, valiant effort. They're up 17-7 with nine minutes to go in the second quarter, only for the Chiefs to score touchdowns on four of their five next possessions. Patrick Mahomes is just on another level right now. Last week they scored touchdowns on seven straight possessions. Um, 
this is a team that's like truly firing on all cylinders. Mahomes had 294 with three touchdowns passing. He rushed for another 53 yards, including an incredible 27-yard rushing touchdown before the half that really felt like, I mean, they only went up four at the half, but it felt like it really broke Tennessee's back. Um, Tyler, this, this Chiefs team is an absolute wagon right now. They're just, I mean, they have so much speed on offense. Sammy Watkins, who's burned every single person who's ever played fantasy football before he had 114 yards and one touchdown Terry Hill had 67 yards two touchdowns Kelsey didn't even really do much in this game he only had three catches for 30 yards and they still put up 35 points um the Titans I don't tell you look at the numbers at the half in terms of time of possession the fact that the Chiefs were up four like this is so disheartening the Titans had the ball for 19 minutes compared to the Chiefs 11 um the game kind of went to script in the first half and they're still losing the Titans had four possessions not including them kneeling it you know going into halftime they had four possessions they scored on three of them they have 17 points at halftime on the road in Arrowhead you're feeling really good about your chances and probably feel like you're winning that game and you look up and you're losing by four so absolutely disheartening it felt like they kind of controlled the first half but Mahomes and that offense is so explosive um, you just can't really hold them down for that long like you said Sammy Watkins who has burned everyone in fantasy he comes alive and you know Kelsey McCole Hardman guys who have had big games and been really good players they didn't really do a lot for them so that just speaks to how scary this team is and we talked about it last week. This just feels like this is building to Mahomes year. Um, everything really broke well for them, I said to you. You know, the, the Patriots lose week 17 at home to the Dolphins. That opens up the two seed for the Chiefs. Then the Patriots lose um, in the first round, so they don't have to play them. Baltimore loses in the second round to the Titans as well, so they don't have to travel to Baltimore to win the AFC. So they get to stay at home. The, the two teams that, I mean, the Patriots really, who have been their bugaboo, they don't have to play them. They get to stay home. This opened up for them, and if they didn't win this game, it was like, when would they ever? But Mahomes is so good. That touchdown run before the half was just insane, and he was really good last year. Obviously, he won the MVP, but it feels like the way he's been playing the last few weeks, he's just really taken a step as far as being a leader, and he's so animated on the field now, and you know, it's, it's going to be tough to take him down the Super Bowl the way he's going because they've won, what, eight in a row at this point? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they yes, Aiden Rather had six in a row coming into this game. I think they've covered their last eight as well. They're seven and a half point favorites in this one over under. It was I believe fifty one. Um so the over hit as well. Tyler, the Titans were your lock of the week. And it seemed like they kind of started going away from what got them there, being Derrick Henry. Um, he only had 19 carries for 69 yards in this game. Tannehill had nice numbers, but they kind of abandoned the run, I think, a little bit earlier than they should have, specifically in the third quarter when, I mean, the Chiefs get the ball out of the half, right? So you think Mahomes puts together this late drive. They go up 21-17. He has that incredible run. Chiefs get the ball to start the second half and kind of feels like, okay, like here they go. They're going to score a touchdown. And then the the Titans are able to stop them. They get the ball back, um, and they pick up a first down. But the, the drive kind of stalls out. But just, I don't know, a lot of, a lot of pass plays out of them in the second half, I think. 
maybe they got a little nervous going down 28-17 at the start of the fourth quarter. So there's still plenty of time left. And they come out and they basically throw the ball three straight times, get a three and out, and then the Chiefs score again, go up 35-17. And that was kind of that. But, I mean, as much as the Chiefs' offense was incredible, Andy Reid really was trying to blow this game at the end um, in terms of the cover. (laughs) They they kept throwing the ball on their last possession. They gave the tight end the ball back down 11 with about two minutes to go. But luckily, they held on for the cover. Yeah, the sequence that killed the Titans, like you said, they went down 21-17, they come out and they get a stop on Kansas City, then they get the ball back, they get a couple first downs, um, they have a first and 10 at their own 32, the Chiefs commit a penalty, they have first and 5, they run it right with Henry, gets 4 yards, second and 1, he gets stuffed, third and 1, he got stuffed, they get a penalty, third and 10, they don't get it, and then they punt. Right there, that kills them. First and five, three chances to run with Henry. You can't get the first down. You give it back to the Chiefs. They come down right away and score. That that possession really killed them. And the Chiefs, you know, Frank Clark was talking some crap going into the game about Henry, how he was overrated, and you kind of roll your eyes at that. But they did do a good job of containing him. He had 19 carries, 69 yards, one touchdown, so... For Derrick Henry standards, that's pretty bad game, how he's been rolling. So have to give credit to the Chiefs. Um, but yeah, Andy Reid, it felt like they were trying to blow the game. We were watching the game at like a 49er tailgate thing. We were walking over to the stadium, and the Chiefs were up 11 with the ball. Titans only had, I think, one timeout left. And we, we got to the game, and the Titans had the ball back. And it was like, what the hell were the Chiefs doing? They're still throwing it. So Andy Reid... In a game uh, that was set up for him to win, still still has his moments, but um, you know he finished the game with three timeouts, so I guess that's a good thing, right? Yeah, those all roll over to the Super Bowl. The uh, the thing I don't understand, I mean, this hit closer to home for me because I sprinkled a little on the Chiefs alternate line minus thirteen and a half. Um, they're up eighteen. It's thirty five seventeen. The Titans have the ball. Um, let's look at this here. Yeah, they, they basically, there's six minutes to go in the game. It's fourth and eight from the Titans' own 22. You have to somewhat expect that they may do a, a fake punt. And they do a fake punt, and the Chiefs like were not prepared for it at all. The play goes for, what was it, 28 yards. Um it was just like classic Andy Reid. Like, why not just be overly conservative? Even if they are coming out, it's still the Tennessee Titans. They do this stuff. It didn't ultimately matter for almost anyone um, unless you had that alternate line. But um, just Andy Reid sticking true to form and just to even give the ball back. Right. The, the Titans had, what, two timeouts? And they give the Titans the ball back with one timeout left? Like, Andy Reid does just stay true to form, um, regardless of the situation. Yeah, them not being prepared for the fake punt was asinine. They were punting on, it's like their own 20. It's like, what else would you think they're doing at that point? You have to at least be prepared, but obviously didn't matter. So congrats to Andy Reid, goes back to the Super Bowl for the first time since 05. But let's talk about the 49ers game. You know, credit to us. What are we about? 20 minutes into this and we really haven't talked that much about the game so unbelievable let's let's take a quick break and then and then uh we'll tease it out um but i agree credit to us for not talking about this in the first 17 minutes and 17 seconds 
All right, Cody. So now let's move on to the 49ers Packers game. We were lucky enough to be in person in Santa Clara, Levi Stadium to see the 49ers move on to the Super Bowl. They won 37 to 20. Um, you know, the 49ers kind of controlled this game throughout. So I'll let you get started. What were kind of your thoughts? And I guess going into the game, what was your nerve level leading up to kickoff? Yeah, we talked about it with Kevin on the pod during the week felt good um the thing that made me nervous was that the 49ers played so well the first time um seemed like everyone was really penciling them into the super bowl and since they're seven and a half point home favorites defense is healthy this packers team is kind of was like a fluky 13 and 3 felt like um so you said it before we were going to the game. I'm nervous about how good I feel about this game. Like, I feel a little too comfortable. Um, and I certainly agreed with that. And I, I kind of I felt like what, what I said with Kevin held true. As long as 49ers took care of the ball, I had confidence that their defense would do enough um, to basically limit Rodgers and Aaron Jones and that they'd, they'd do well. But I was nervous at the start of this game. It's such a small thing, but when the Packers won the coin toss and deferred, the 49ers got the ball. They had a three and out, and I was I was not feeling great about that. Um, Packers basically moved the ball downfield. They got the ball to midfield. 49ers held them on a third and short, and the Packers punted on fourth and one, which was really – it's easy to be Monday morning quarterback – but they had a real chance on the road to go down and score points early, be it a touchdown or a field goal, but put the pressure on this 49ers team. Like, quite frankly, they're inexperienced um, in terms of a big game, like that, like a playoff game where they're down and, and have to come back. Um, this is the first time they're all together. Uh, but as soon as they basically held the Packers, then they came down, they scored, and they never looked back. Um, when, when they cut it to 14, was a little nervous just because Rodgers does crazy things. But, I mean, this was the Raheem Mostert game. You rush for 220 yards. That's the most for a 49er ever, Re- regular season and postseason. He had four touchdowns, which I believe is like a conference championship uh, record. Uh, Garoppolo went... I heard this stat, which is unbelievable, Tyler. He was four for six in the first half, two for two in the second half passing. But he went 91 minutes in real time without attempting a pass. Like, that's the kind of game plan that Shanahan drew up. Essentially, like, we're going to keep running the ball until you guys can stop us. And they couldn't. I know. And I feel like the thing with Shanahan is people remember the 28 to 3 Super Bowl when he's with the Falcons as the coordinator. And they kind of went away from the run. And you know, Shanahan's M.O. really is running the ball, and that was his dad's philosophy. So I feel like people just think of that Super Bowl when he kind of got a little too aggressive, but that's what he wants to do. And I was texting one of my friends, and I was like, I legitimately don't remember the last time Jimmy G threw a pass because it was so long, and they're just dominating the run game. But I agree with you. I didn't understand why the Packers didn't go for that fourth and one at the beginning of the game. I know it was at midfield, but... You knew the 49ers were going to put up points. You have to be aggressive on the road, kind of set the tone and kind of take it to them. Don't play so conservative. So when they decided, you know, to punt the ball away, I was happy. And then 49ers come right down and score the third and eight run play. 
the, to give up a touchdown on that play for the Packers is kind of pathetic, honestly. And they've had a good defense all season, but the 49ers tore them up. Raheem Mostert is the first player in NFL history to have 150 rushing yards and three touchdowns at halftime in a playoff game. So he did whatever he wanted. And, you know, the crazy thing is, you mentioned this, coming into the year, Brita was really the starter with Tevin Coleman. And now Brita's kind of been phased out. Coleman got hurt. They said he could be good to go for the Super Bowl. But, you know, Mostert has really emerged over the second half of the year as their best running back. He had 29 carries, averaged 7.6 yards a carry. It's just like crazy. This guy was cut by seven teams, a special teams player. That's what his thing was on the 49ers for a couple of years. <laughs> Shanahan, mean, he, he literally recovered a fumbled punt last weekend in a playoff game. Mm-hmm. Shanahan convert basically says, hey, do you want to play running back? They try him out, and he's been unreal. So it's such a great story. And for Jimmy G, he doesn't have to do anything. <laughs> Six of eight, 77 yards. So pretty easy game for him. So it was awesome to be there in person. The way their defense played in the first half was awesome to see. Bosa had a sack that kind of electrified the stadium. And for Rodgers, I don't know on his interception before the half, if that was on the receiver or Rodgers, but... That was so inexcusable. If you go down 20 nothing at half, obviously not ideal, but still a three-score game and you get the ball to start. But to throw that pick to Mosley and then the 49ers come down and score again, that's so inexcusable for a quarterback that has the experience and the pedigree Rodgers does. So that was terrible. Um, but, yeah, I'm glad they won because it would have made the red-eye back miserable. Brutal. brutal. Absolutely brutal. Another big turnover. There were two big Packers turnovers in the first half. You mentioned the pick. But also they're driving in the 49ers territory down 17 nothing with about five minutes to go in the first half. And Rodgers just, like, fumbles the snap. And it was kind of bizarre. I felt like I was one of the only people that, like, realized that Buckner fell on the ball. Like, Rodgers didn't ever die for the ball, which was really weird. He was one of the few people on the field that knew what happened and didn't even make an attempt to recover. DeForest Buckner just falls on it. And then, again, the 49ers drive down the field. They get the field goal. Then Mosley has the pick, and they score another touchdown before the half, up 27 nothing. plus Lil John was playing at the half. So that only meant bad news for the Packers. Um, but, I mean, this the 49ers in their two playoff games have rushed the ball 89 times for well over 450 yards rushing. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see what the game plan is versus uh, the Chiefs. We know what the Chiefs just did to Derrick Henry. Obviously, they kind of bottled him up. Um, I kind of feel like this is the kind of game where Shanahan puts the ball in Jimmy G's hands. And it's funny because I was listening to uh, Simmons' podcast with Sal and House was on it. And they're just really crapping on Jimmy G, calling him a game manager. And it definitely triggered me. I kind of felt my Alex Smith muscle being triggered uh, back in the days where he was the 49ers quarterback. And he was uh, definitely more of a game manager than Jimmy G is. So real quick, Tyler, let me just, um, if people forget, let me just rehash some of these stats from some notable games. Um, so the 49ers played at the New Orleans Saints in week 14. That was a little over a month ago. Um, on the road, 
in the Superdome. Really a notoriously tough place to play. Jimmy G, little Jimmy G, the game manager. Uh, 26 for 35, 349 yards, four touchdowns, one pick. That's not bad, last I checked. Um, mm. At Seattle, week 17, he's 18 of 22, 285. No passing touchdowns, but another solid effort out of him. Um but Tyler, he's he's only completed 17 passes in his two postseason starts. Uh, we're obviously going to have a pod to break down the Super Bowl, but I, for one, am excited because I do feel like it's going to be a Jimmy G coronation. I think, ooh, I I really think Shanahan's. Uh, I mean, they're going to pound the rock on the run game to keep Mahomes off the field, but. I'm pretty confident that he's going to be able to do well versus this Chiefs passing defense that they have a great pass rush, but um, the secondary leaves some to be desired. And uh, I don't know. I'm I'm just excited for, for the Jimmy G haters to have to suck wind. They're definitely going to have to throw the ball more than they have in the two playoff games so far. If they run it like if the same game plan that's played out in the first two games plays out in the Super Bowl, we'll feel good about it because that probably means they win. But I assume Garoppolo is going to have to throw the ball more. I mean, I have confidence in him to carry them in a game. Like you said, he did it versus the Saints. He was great in that Seattle game. He didn't throw for any touchdowns, but he was super sharp. Even in the Rams game, that wasn't his best game, but in the fourth quarter, he made huge plays. He's done it all year. People love to criticize him. I don't understand what the affinity for criticizing him is. I think it's because... He went to the 49ers, had the five starts, he played great, and then he got a big contract from there. And everyone freaks out when someone gets money when it might not feel like they deserve it. But if you look at quarterback contracts at the time, I think that was the highest paid one. But now he's dropped down as more guys have gotten paid. That's just the way QB contracts work in the NFL. It's just the biggest one is the next one that's going to come Mahomes is due for one Deshaun Watson. Those guys will set new records. So just trying to get your quarterback under an affordable contract, you just have to do it when you feel like you have the guy. And he's definitely paid off. My only worry is he's only thrown 27 passes in two playoff games. So, like, I trust him to, you know, carry them in a game. But, like, is there going to be any rust just because he really hasn't had to do anything? But I trust Shanahan two weeks off to prepare for – a mediocre at best Chiefs defense. So I'm, I'm excited for it. And I think for him, this is a great opportunity because this is the team he got hurt against. So that'll be a great storyline leading up to the game. And also, if you remember our first podcast we did for Full Slate uh, last year, we previewed the 49ers Chiefs game as one of the premier games of the week on the Pick'em Pod. So it's coming full circle for everyone. Full circle. Good memory by you, Tyler. Um, I do, I, I, I do want to talk real quick about Aaron Rodgers. His numbers are largely, largely good in this game. 31 to 39, 326, two touchdowns, two interceptions. This is his third straight NFC Championship game loss. Uh, he won the first one when they won the Super Bowl. Um, but uh, Tyler, I, I don't know. I think. This Packers team, you would have thought they would have came in after getting their brains beat in the first time in this matchup, that they'd come out with a little bit more fire and that he would be able to fire this team up a little bit. And that really wasn't there until the second half. When they did, I'm not going to lie, they did make us sweat. We were, we were pretty quiet. Um, and 
certainly nervous when they cut this to 34-20 game. But I don't know. I'd expect more out of him as someone who's been lauded as one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL the past, I don't know, five to eight years. It seems like there's always an excuse for his team, but this team, I I mean, I guess you could blame it on the defense not being able to stop Mostert, but I don't know. If you're one of the best quarterbacks, I think you're you're able to do more in this matchup. The defense obviously doesn't do him any favors the way they played, but like you said, you come into this game, you have to set the tone early. The way you got embarrassed on the Sunday night game, you have to come out and be aggressive. Like the third down call early in the game, they kind of hurry to the line. He throws like a, a two-yard out to Jamal Williams. It's just like, what are you doing? And then they don't go for it on fourth down. Like, if you're one of the best quarterbacks in the game, you take it to the 49ers early. You be aggressive. You played well in the second half, but I was thinking about it this morning. I was like, oh, like, should we be worried? But I was like, they were never – the closest the game got was two possessions. Like, it's easy to put up stats when you're trailing by, you know, 27, 20 points. But when the game was in question in the first half, he didn't play well. The fumble, like you said, it was so bizarre because it was just like – um, he d- he didn't even die for it. <laughs> no, like no one re- no one reacted to the play um, in the stadium. It's just like was there like a penalty and the play stopped. He didn't die for it. No one on the Packers really knew what was happening. DeForest Buckner just came up with it. But if you're gonna be considered one of the best quarterbacks in the league, you have to come out and kind of throw that first punch. People love talking about oh you know the 49ers passed on Aaron Rodgers in 2005. The 49ers are 3-0 in the playoffs against Aaron Rodgers. So they have kind of owned him in his career. And they were there were four Packer fans behind us. They were very nice. They weren't a-holes or anything. And I said to you, I wanted to say to them at one point, um, do you wish that we drafted Rodgers instead of the Packers so they didn't have to deal with this? But he, he kind of put a scare into <laughs> us in the second half. So I didn't get my opportunity to say I didn't get my opportunity to say that. But, you know... He's a great quarterback. He'll make the Hall of Fame. But he has came up short in a lot of these games. And the defense, again, doesn't do him favors. But if you're considered one of the great quarterbacks, like you have to you have to throw that first punch in these games. You can't just get down and then start putting up numbers. Yeah. And I don't I don't know just what his deal is in the locker room. He just Every interview, whether it's after a win, he comes across as being so smug. And if it's a loss, it's just like sour grapes out of him. Um, And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It always feels good to beat the Packers. Um, And we're we're in the Super Bowl. So our business trip, it was well worth it. Worth the red eye back, even if it took you a little longer than normal to think of the word infraction earlier, but that's okay, Tyler. Oh. That's okay. Um, we're gonna we're gonna go into uh, oh lock of the week actually. So your own three and lock locks of the week in the playoffs. I got a W with my you teaser. Te- you took a teaser. Okay, and now that it hit, now you're a little salty, huh? Um, mm. So I am one and two. You're zero and three. Um, before Grandpa Billy's Bum of the Week, I want to give an honorary Grandpa Billy's Bum of the Week to the guy in our row who's who's a 49er fan, who's a little bit too intoxicated, getting into it with another 49ers fan. He had to be separated and escorted out of the game for like two and a half quarters, came back at the end. Um, 
But the 49ers were up 17 nothing at that point and absolutely dominating. Like a few plays after that, pretty sure Rodgers fumbled the ball. Um, I'll never know what exactly he was getting into it with another guy about, but um, shout out to that guy. He's an honorary Grandpa Billy's Bum of the Week because if you get too drunk to miss the 49ers punching their ticket to the Super Bowl and then your friend's like, oh, was, it, was there a Packer fan talking shit? He, his response would be like, no, actually it was a guy who was like 25 years old, 25 to 30 years older than me that I uh, got into a fight with. Like that, there's no coming back from that. Yeah, it made no sense. Everyone is like looking over and it's another 49er fan and I have no idea what happened. I, the guy maybe just was too drunk but it was just like can everyone love everyone type moment um <laughs> just wild but my grandpa billy's bum the week um i'm gonna say the chargers because you know i feel like they're doing philip rivers pretty dirty he texted <laughs> Schefter that he was just moving his family from san diego to florida or he was i guess moving from san diego to florida to be closer to his family just a really old person move you know when you retire you go down to florida so my bum of the week is the Chargers. To do that to Rivers, make him, you know, move. His question, is future still in doubt? Him never gets a Super Bowl. It's sad. Um, so I guess we'll see him on the shuffleboard, shuffleboard courts um, in Fort Lauderdale with the old people. But it's sad. It's a sad time for, you know, Rivers, Eli, all these quarterbacks we kind of grew up with. Even Brady and Breeze, the future's uncertain. So Yeah, Big Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we I think we decided the ideal landing spot for Philip Rivers this weekend. Actually, the the Oakland Raiders now the Las Vegas Raiders need to sign Philip Rivers um, for one year. Let him loose in Las Vegas, paired up with John Gruden, uh, Mark Davis. It, it just has to happen. Keep him in division. He knows the division so well. He can get a couple revenge games versus Anthony Lynn and the Chargers. Um, I just, besides Jameis going to Vegas, I think that's the next best option. Like, one of those two guys needs to be the week one starting quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, that would be electric. I mean, there were kind of rumors about Brady. You know, he's at the McGregor fight. Picture of him and Mark Davis. If he went to Vegas, that would be pretty cool also. So, I feel like they're going to, they're definitely going to move off car and just try to sign one of these guys just to, you know, get attention and hype around their first season in Las Vegas. And how great would it be to have, you know, kind of like a, they were on Hard Knocks last year, so they can't do it again, but just kind of like a behind the scenes of Rivers in Vegas with his family, how just, you know, funny it would be and how rowdy the kids would be in Vegas. We, we just need to see that. It would be, like like he... be like the Rugrat movie when they go to Vegas. Yeah, Rugrat's vacation. Um, yeah, I, I think he would just be screaming, dog gang, dog gang it. And he'd just be running around uh, casinos, putting out, cigarettes, putting out cigarettes left and right. Um, yeah, he, uh, he'll he find a landing spot. Yeah, we haven't, we're not done with Philip Rivers yet. I'm not convinced of that. Um, but my grandpa Billy's bum the week. We haven't, we didn't speak speak about the Giants hiring Joe Judge, but I figured this was a good chance to give the New York Giants Grandpa Billy's Bum of the Week, bring in Jason Garrett to be their offensive coordinator. He was without a job for not a very long time at all. Good for him. He must interview quite well. Um, 
be nice to get his resume. Must be pretty well formatted. But um, Jason Garrett, he gets hired, scooped up, inner division. I think he's out of a job for probably less than two weeks. And now he is their new offensive coordinator. So the Giants bring in Joe Judge, the wide receiver coach from the New England Patriots, who um, if you ask Tom Brady what the biggest issue was this year there, he'd probably say their receiver sucked. Besides that, <laughs> um, and then uh, now you have Jason Garrett, um, who, I mean, he was kind of the golden boy years ago uh, when I believe Wade Phillips was head coach as offense coordinator. That's how he slid into the head coaching job. But I just, what is Dave Gettleman watching that? He's like, Oh, we, we need Jason Garrett. We need, let's bring him in. Um, like why wouldn't the giants make a run at the guy, Joe Brady from LSU who's young. And I mean, what he did with Joe Burrow, LSU never has a good quarterback or offense this year. They were out of control. Um, I don't like how did these guys just get retread so often? Um, so that is my grandpa Billy's bum week, Jason Garrett, but makes for a great storyline. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, I mean the Joe Judge hiring, we we know nothing about him. So if the Giants continue to suck, it's easy to pile on. But maybe he'll be a good coach coming from the Patriots. The last guy who got hired as you know a special teams type guy was John Harbaugh, and that's worked out great for the Ravens. But I'm so happy. Garrett will still be in our lives and especially in the NFC East that'll be great you know conspiracy theory maybe Jerry Jones is throwing him in there as a spy yeah take out one of the teams in the NFC East I mean he was offensive coordinator so long ago when they had Wade Phillips I think they had a good offense that was when Romo had kind of first taken over Mm -hmm. um so you know there are some guys who are just better in those coordinator roles like Hugh Jackson for example is a really good coordinator with the Bengals and then he gets a head coaching job with the Browns he can't do it Pat Shermer so um and Wade Phillips himself was another guy like that so maybe Garrett not having to be responsible for the whole team will be better but I'm so happy that he's going to be in the NFC East but yeah he must interview great um because anyone who's watched him be the coach of the Cowboys for the last decade knows he's incredibly incompetent but there must be some secret sauce he's got in these interview rooms that keeps him around and gets him these jobs yeah tell me about a time when and Jason Garrett he's just got all the answers um so good for him he gets he just continues to find he'll find found a new home so good for him um Tyler I think that's kind of it unless you have anything else the line is opened on the Super Bowl it is currently it's kind of all over the place depending on what you look at going off action network here the consensus line is chiefs minus one and the over under opened at 51 and a half now it's up to 54 have a feeling that's just going to keep climbing 91 percent of the money's been on the over but we've got a little less than two weeks till the super bowl yeah it's great and i'm just looking on twitter now frank Gore tweeted couldn't Cannot be happier for my guy, Joe Staley and 49ers. Bring back the Super Bowl. Bring that chip back to the Bay. The 49ers win. I would love them to give a ring to Frank Gore. I know he's on a different team, but he endured so many he endured so many bad years on that team. And um, we saw a couple people tweeting yesterday, like, this is for the fans who were watching, you know, in 2015 when they had Tom Sula, 2016 when they had Chip Kelly. No, yeah. This is for the fans that were watching in, like, oh. 03 when they had... After they got rid of T.O. and Jeff Garcia, 
and you know Alex Smith was kind of there, but he was hurt, and the whole team was misrun, and they had Cody Pickett, JTO Sullivan, Sean Hill, um, Tim Tim Rattay, Ken who, Dorsey. Yeah, Ken Dorsey. I couldn't think of his name. Like that's who this is for the fans who have endured years and years of BS. So um, I, I saw that, and one other quick stat: this will be the first Super Bowl in seven years that hasn't featured Legarre Blunt or C.J. Anderson as a running back. So. That's going to be interesting <laughs> to see how that plays a factor. <laughs> also, a rematch of the 2014 World Series, Giants-Royals, uh, and we all know how that one turned out, so hopefully uh, we get round two of that. But, Tyler, if you don't have anything else, I think that wraps up our Sunday Scaries pod. We will probably be on a little bit of an adjusted schedule. Um, I will be traveling for the next couple of weeks, but we'll figure out a time to put out, obviously, a big super bowl preview pod with all the props it's it's the best event to bet on 